0: This is Coliseum Chronicles the Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk coming to you from the hockey room. I guess maybe um hockey room, it's it's ninety-five percent hockey. Uh there's some baseball, there's some football, there's some combat sports. Um but I, I think with the uh the bulk of the memorabilia here being from hockey. I'll still call it the hockey room, so we're coming live, well, I'm live, you're listening to the recording, from the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box offices, a.k.a. the Hockey Room, and welcome back to the show. This is episode 75, actual episode 97, an episode that I've titled, Why Do We Eat Our Own? And... You may not know what that means, but, uh, later on when I get to, that would be the main event of all the topics that I have for you today. This will be a solo episode. God willing, I'll have two interviews this week and, uh, that'll be some, uh, some interview content for uh, you people in the near future, but flying solo today. And, uh, I have a number of talking points and, uh, the episode titled, Why Do We Eat Our Own? You'll understand why that'll be the uh, the main event topic here. But first, if you are on Twitter, please consider giving the show Twitter handle a follow. That is at Kali Sinbin Pod. And if you want to follow my personal account, I mean, it's pretty much just more nonsense. Uh, that's at Joe underscore Lozito. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. And if you're on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. Uh, I'd like to uh, acknowledge Joe Marisic, the Long Island artist that drew my logo that um you know, I love it, I love it, I have it on t-shirts, I have it uh, everywhere, uh, mugs, everything like that i'm not I'm not saying that to promote the uh, the store as you know, I'm not really doing that anymore that was uh, um it was it was received well um, in the beginning, and then I think it just became um, you know, the people that were gonna buy stuff bought it. And then I was just, you know, basically talking to the air and, and that's fine. I mean, listen, anybody that, that purchased any of the merchandise that uh, I had for sale or have for sale, uh, I really appreciate that you did that. But, uh, I usually tied in the Joe Marisic plug to the merchandise plug. So I don't think I found a great way to, uh, still talk about Joe Marisich and, uh, and, uh, I told him that I was going to talk about him every week, and I continue to do so. So Joe Marisic, you've seen his art. If you're a Mets fan, Islanders fan, Jet fan, sports radio fan, you've seen his tunes, but he is much more than that. If you have an art project, please consider reaching out to Joe Marisic on Twitter, at GraphicsJoker, or at LoudEgg.com. You will not be disappointed. That is my promise to you few other podcasts I would like to mention, the boys that I usually run down, I'm going to run them down again. So, the OG of the enforcer podcasting genre, Darren, up in Saskatchewan. Now, Darren actually did text me and tell me what town he's living in, but my phone is almost dead and it's upstairs charging, so I cannot look at the text but uh, and see where he is now residing. But I'm assuming it's a very nice suburb suburb of Saskatoon. But he's still in the province, still a proud Sasky boy, and uh, still bringing you two episodes a week. He is part, a big part, of the Hockey Podcast Network. Episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. Wednesdays are interviews, Sundays, the Sunday shit show. So last Wednesday, he interviewed uh, a fellow fight fan named Dante, and... Um, I was about 15 seconds into the episode and I knew exactly where Dante was from. Uh, if you've lived in uh, Philadelphia or South Jersey or Delaware, you know, that accent, you know, that South Jersey slash Philly accent. And uh, before he even said, before he even, I was just not, obviously not before he said a word, but, Before he got out three sentences, I'm like, oh, I know where he's from. And then uh, when he started talking about the Flyers, and it made sense. That was a really fun episode to listen to. So I highly recommend you check out the uh, 4th Line Voice podcast episode with Dante. And his latest episode is the Sunday shit show that I listened to this morning called Rediscovering Chainsaw and um Darrens Sunday shit shows he touches on a number of topics uh no real no real venom today uh it's unfortunate, but um a number of topics he brought up and um one was uh, so, you know he does the lists top five top ten top twenty, and um someone had sent him top five all time avalanche tough guys and um uh not bad, and the list wasn't bad i mean uh, it was done by one of the beat writers, I think. And whenever uh, whenever that happens, you always have to take into consideration maybe the relationship that he may have had with the players, that maybe someone is on that list that uh, maybe maybe doesn't belong there, but maybe I've piqued your interest, and now you definitely want to go listen. But uh, but that was one of the topics today. Another topic, talking about uh, Shane Churla. Um, if you've never seen that Shane Churla-Kevin McGuire fight, I think that's what spurred it on, and uh, that's one of the all-time greatest fights ever. Uh, I think if it happened nowadays, oh boy, social media would, would just be going crazy. The the, um, the fun bunch up there in Toronto would be going crazy about CTE and all that other stuff that they like to rally against. So, uh, But that's a great fight. Definitely check it out. And uh, like I said, check out the 4th Line Voice podcast. Darren always delivers the goods. And um, check out the 4th Line Voice YouTube channel. Uh, I believe he's close to 2,700 fights now. And as I always say, if you have watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the 4th Line Voice YouTube channel. So this is more of a reminder. I'm sure you've been there already, but check it out when you get a chance. Now, down in Florida, the 5 for Fighting podcast with Alec Coden Salen who uh, recently became a part of six-pack coverage. So Darren is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Alec in the Fi for Fighting podcast is a member of six-pack coverage. I think they're um, just getting started off the ground, and um, I think they cover uh, a lot of sports, a lot of lifestyle stuff, and uh, Alec is the hockey representative. So uh, definitely check that out also. Alec's latest episode uh, was actually really, really good, and and I don't I, not actually really good. I, I enjoy all his episodes, but it was actually a serious, uh, a more serious episode, and um, it was about the Malcolm Subin and Jacob Panetta incident. And what Alec did, which is really groundbreaking stuff for 2022, Alec went into a lot of detail and coherently and clearly stated both sides of a story now i know i know for a lot of you people that are on social media that you you know depending on which side of the fence you fall on a lot of things that might be far and you're probably not used to it and if you're of my if you're my age maybe it's something that you haven't seen in a long time but what alec did was present the facts and uh basically he didn't condemn one side or the other he actually was uh You know, like I said, I keep saying, actually, just because I'm so not used to somebody out there with a platform presenting both sides to a story. It just, it caught me way off guard, but Alec did an excellent job. So I highly recommend you checking that out and also check out his back catalog as well. Now, Alec has a YouTube channel as well, the for Fighting YouTube channel. And on that channel, he posts a lot of fights from uh, a league that I I don't want to say out loud. They are a, uh, they don't, I guess they don't think they fight in that league, even though this year they're probably the best league for fights this year. And and, uh, I have a guest coming up from that league very shortly and uh, he's, he's done his fair share of scrapping in that league. And, um, but, you know, unfortunately some of that footage is hard to come by. But this is a league that denies that uh, there's fighting in that league, and I don't know why. I think uh, I think back in the day it kind of made its bones on the physical play. But anyway, it's a double-A league. Check out the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. And like I said, this league really has, uh, has, has been very entertaining this year as far as the fights go. So check that out. But again, it's the league that shall not be named because you don't want to wake them up and let them know that people actually enjoy this stuff. And finally, Alec is the czar of the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. This is something I've been talking about since I first started the show. Uh, Like Darren says, it's true. Probably the closest thing to the old message boards. Uh, You know, the old uh, fried chicken message boards or the hockey fight message boards. Uh, This is probably the closest thing. And um, I would highly recommend that you go and join it because there there's uh it's basically a perfect group in a sense because if you want knowledge, you can get that there if you want interactions with the guys who've done the job, you can get that there and if you want insane homerism, you can also get that there too so it's uh it's basically a smorgasbord of um fistic whatever. I can't even think of it, but it is uh it's definitely got a little bit of everything. The Homer stuff uh it gets a bit much at times, I'm not going to lie, and, and even people that I know and I consider a friend even if it's just through uh the internet, you know, sometimes it's like, "All right, enough already. Please, come on." But t- uh check it out. Check it out. Definitely uh definitely sign up for it. So now I uh, I do not have any new entries in the 2021 Slash 22 New York Islanders slash Bridgeport Islanders fight report. Since our last episode, since my last episode, I don't know why I say our, uh, no scraps. The last scrap for the, um, I almost said sound tigers. The last scrap for the Bridgeport Islanders was Eric Brown against Eddie, uh, Whitco of Hershey. And the last scrap for the big boys, the big club, Matt Martin against Liam O'Brien. So on to the talking points this week. Now uh, first and foremost I want to thank everybody and I mean every single person that reached out with uh feedback on the Clark Gillies tribute episode. Um that was uh that was bittersweet. It was a fun episode to reach out to the boys um you know have them tell stories about Clark, just reminisce about certain things, but obviously the reason why the episode was in existence was uh, obviously tragic, uh, for Islander fans, for hockey fans in general. And, you know, for, you know, people that anyone that's ever met Clark Gillies, you, you walked away, he made an impression with you. So, um, I really appreciate all the feedback that I received on that episode. It was, it was a hard episode to do. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. That was tough. And, you know, when, when I got done, when I got done speaking and done recording, um, I kind of sat back for a few minutes and thought about what I recorded. And I said, it, it's weird because you get emotional over someone who, you know, wasn't a friend. I mean, I I met Clark Gillies a handful of times, probably just like a lot of you people here on long Island, but he wasn't a friend, but you know, I think it goes back to what I said about your childhood heroes, that a piece of your childhood is now gone. So, um, and a big piece for me, it was, he was a big piece of my childhood. And I think that's when I, I started to get emotional. I think that's probably when it hit me was, wow, this is, this is final. This is permanent. And yeah, it is a, it is a big piece of my childhood. So, uh, you know, for those of you who tuned in and, and, uh, and listened, I appreciate that for those of you who provided some feedback, I appreciate that too. And, um, you know, just thank you. Thank you very much for that. And um, you know, uh, well, what else is there to say? You know, uh, I think I said it I said it all in the last episode. This is something that is not going to go away anytime soon for for Islanders fans and well, for people who had the privilege of watching Clark Gillies play. And um, you know, just a tough a tough time, and it was a tough episode to do, but um, you know, I did it, and uh, and thank you to everyone who listened. So, I'm going to talk about. A few things that I made notes about this week, Uh, mostly um, Islander stuff, but there are a few non-Islander things I would like to touch on. The first of which, I'm recording this Sunday afternoon, uh, February 6th. Yesterday was February 5th, and a happy birthday to one Donald S. Cherry, the GOAT. The greatest of all time was his birthday yesterday. Uh, Big influence on me. Uh, probably if you're listening to this show, uh, big influence for you and, um, man, oh man, every time I, I post about his birthday, I just say, man, I, I got to meet him at some point. I, I just, um, you know, it's, uh, listen, take it from me. I know it tomorrow is promised to nobody. Um, but, uh, you know, I always feel like with each day that passes, that's, uh, one less opportunity that I'll actually ever have to meet Mr. Cherry and boy, oh boy, (coughs) excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh man. I just hope to meet him one day. I would love to shake his hand. I would love to thank him for the, uh, the box of swag that he sent me when I sent him a copy of my book. And the fact that he read the book, I posted the, um, the letter that he wrote me, uh, when he sent that stuff after he read the book and, you know, I've sent that book to a bunch of people, and uh, I would say the majority of the people <coughs> – sorry, I don't even have any water down here. What an unprofessional dumbass. But maybe not the majority, but a, a good percentage of people I sent the book to. I never hear anything back, and that's fine. I didn't – if I've sent a copy of the book to you, I just want you to read it. You don't have to um, you know, message me, thank me, whatever. I, I honestly – I'd rather you just read it and uh, just absorbed what's in there. And you know, I sent the book to Don because um, I thanked him in the uh, thank yous, just because you know, like I said, he's he's another guy that's a part of my childhood and adulthood. And uh, I just said, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to send him a copy of the book. Never in a million years did I think he'd read it, and never in a million years did I think he would ever send me anything. And I'll never forget the <laughs> the day I get the mail and there's a slip from the post office coming uh You know, there's a box here and I was like, wait a second. This is, uh, this can't be. And, uh, it was, <laughs> I, I know you're, I think you're supposed to wait till, uh, the next day to go, but I, I took a chance and fortunately the, uh, the mailman had been back and that, that package was waiting there and I got home and I opened it up and I was just blown away. So, Uh, Don Cherry was always special to me before that. Um, and then after that day, I mean, just the fact that he would take the time to read the book and, um, you know, that was uh, something special. So hopefully one day I'm just putting it out there, I'm putting it out there in the universe. Uh, I want to break bread with the man one day. I don't even care. (laughs) I don't even care. It could be a literal piece of bread. I want to just meet Don Cherry, shake his hand and thank him for uh for everything that he's done in the sport and uh the influence he's had on me. So I'm just putting it out there in the universe. And um you know, happy birthday to the goat, happy birthday to the legend Don Cherry, many many more. Another guy who some may consider a legend and I I think he's definitely someone who is a uh, Canadians legend. I mean, if you think about it Montreal has a pretty storied history, but you know, this guy, I don't know if you if you could tell the history of the Canadians without mentioning Chris Nyland. Um, Chris Nyland, you know, as tough as they come. And Chris Nyland was fired by TSN. He had a a radio show on uh, TSN, and he was fired this week. And it was all about uh, not being vaccinated. And one of the good things about social media is everybody has a voice. Now, I've also said that's one of the bad things about social media, but for someone like Chris, who is a public figure and was screwed by his employer, it gives Chris an opportunity to issue a statement on social media for his fans and for everybody. And uh, Chris issued the following statement. I'm going to read it to you now in case you haven't seen it. Uh, His show is called Off the Cuff, and uh, it says, To Off the Cuff fans and listeners... As some of you may have heard, Bell Media has terminated my contract as the host of Off the Cuff on TSN 690 Montreal. I want each of you to learn the true story of this unfair action by Bell Media directly from me. Over 10 years ago, my wife, Jamie, and I moved to Montreal to begin a second career, this one off the ice. As a talk show host, I've spoken with thousands of you during the past years about all sorts of sports with a huge focus on the team we love. A huge focus on the team we love the most, our Montreal Canadiens. Late late last year, Bell Media ordered me to take the COVID-19 vaccine. After consultation with my doctor and based upon my medical conditions, I have decided not to take the shot. I sought a medical exemption and was denied. On Tuesday, I received a letter from Richard Gray, Regional General Manager, Radio TV, Eastern Region of Bell Media, informing me that Bell is terminating my contract, effective immediately. I want to thank all of my loyal listeners and the greatest fans in hockey for all of your support and friendship over these many years. I would especially like to acknowledge publicly the support and friendship of Mitch Melnick and Wayne Buse, two gentlemen who have always been in my corner, as well as my co host of nearly 10 years, Sean Campbell. Uh, it says, Knock down nine times, got up 10. Sincerely, Chris Nyland. So. I I know if you're a regular listener, you know my feelings on the vaccine. You know my feelings on being made to take the vaccine. Um, This is garbage. Like, it's, it's just horrible. And, you know, I don't know what Chris Nyland's medical conditions are. But if Chris Nyland has legitimate medical concerns for not taking this vaccine, how do you deny that? How is that denied? And I don't, I don't understand that. Now, if if Bell wanted to get rid of him for another reason, then just get rid of him for that reason. So I don't know. I doubt it. I, I can't imagine Chris Nyland doesn't do very well up in Montreal. I, I that would be nonsensical to think that that guy doesn't pull in ratings up there. Um, but that's that's absolute horseshit. And um, you know, good for Chris Nyland for standing up for himself. It, you know, like I said, if it's a if it's a medical condition, you know, why why take the risk? I mean, really, it's you know I, I've said it a million times here. I I've been vaccinated. My family's been vaccinated uh, because we had to. Uh, the only one who didn't have to was my wife, and she got vaccinated because my sons and I had to be vaccinated. Uh, I was told in order to stay employed, I needed to be vaccinated. And my sons were told in order to attend their respective schools, they needed to be vaccinated. And uh, that just doesn't sit well with me. It just doesn't. And um, I've already said, you know, my biggest problem with the vaccine is it's a, it's political. And by that, I mean, uh, when it first the vaccine was first introduced and Trump was president, while well, all the people on the left said they would never get Trump's vaccine, and then all of a sudden, Joe Biden's the president and all the people on the left now are urging you to get the vaccine. So it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If you were against the vaccine when Donald Trump was president, why are you not still against the vaccine that Joe Biden is president? It just it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. you know. And my biggest thing is I don't trust any of these politicians, no matter which side they're on. And. These are the people who have made this vaccine political and it's garbage. And it's a shame because if it is something that could help some people, maybe there are people out there that aren't getting it because they feel the same way I do. And they're not being forced to get the vaccine, but maybe they would be the people that it would help. But, um, you know, this world that we live in now where these, these scumbag politicians it's all about themselves. It's all about their agenda. I mean, and, and listen, politics has always been about themselves and it's always been about their agendas. And I'm, I'm really getting off topic here, but um, you know, I speak to Chris Nyland every now and then. Uh, Actually, I think it was um, a Canadians alumni game and I, I actually never asked him how, how I came up, but I think it was Aaron Asham uh, was talking to Chris Nyland about me and Chris reached out to me, and I thought that was awesome. And um, and we've spoken a few times since then. Uh, I actually was on his show once on the on TSN, and um, just a good guy. And Chris will always have a fan in me, and uh, I support him a hundred percent, especially because Chris is able to um, not get the vaccine, whether he's financially secure enough to not get it. I, and I hope that's the case. Uh, unfortunately, we're not, and I had to bite the bullet and get the vaccine. And I had to bite the bullet and put that stuff in the rest of my family. Uh, but, you know, Chris is sticking to his guns, and good for him. And um, more power to you, Chris. Uh, I don't think you're listening, but, um, you know, I, I support you 100%, and, um, you know, good for you. And I hope you I hope you end up somewhere where your effort will be appreciated. But uh, good for you, Chris Nyland. Way to go. Another story that caught my eye this week, and uh, I'm sure you've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, and I have uh, I have a lot of the article here to tell you about, a um, CJHL, it's a league in Alberta, a junior hockey league in Alberta. A player was leaving the ice and he actually jumped into the stands and started fighting a fan. He was defending his mother. So <clears throat> in case you haven't heard, Nicholas Johnson, of the Stony Plain Flyers was suspended eight games by the CJHL for going into the stands to defend his mother. He was suspended five games for going into the stands and three games for intent to injure. Now, (laughs) that last part's funny because if someone pushed my mother, you bet your ass my intent would be to injure it would be it would be intent to maim and it might be intent to kill nobody's going to lay there and listen you're everyone listening you all have moms you all have parents i'm sure you feel the same way someone shoves your mother well all bets are off so and that that last part just made me laugh three games for intent to injure yeah he jumped off the ice into the stands and wanted to pummel the guy who pushed his mom Yes, absolutely there was intent to injure. Just suspend him eight games for going into the stands. To me, that that three games for intent to injure just makes the league look silly. But I digress. Johnson's coach, Craig Leibel, admits it's not a good look for his player, but he claims the video doesn't tell the whole story. People are seeing a 10-second clip and passing judgment immediately as as to reflect on the player, our team, and hockey in general. And I just don't think that's necessarily a correct assessment. Now, I, here's where I disagree in a, in a, partly with, with the coach. Everybody that I know that has seen that video thinks what Johnson did was totally justified. Every single person that has seen that all say the same thing. To me, anyway, they're all like, yeah, hell yeah. Someone shows my mom I'm doing the same thing. So, but I think what it happens is, what he might be referring to are probably the mainstream media, who who they don't know anything about hockey, or even like the fun bunch, like I said, up in Toronto, uh, they may not like what happened. You know, they just look for anything that has to do with fighting. They want to uh, to criticize it. So maybe he's talking about that media as well. I don't know, but anybody that I've spoken to about it, a hundred percent, they're behind Johnson, a hundred hundred percent. Libel claims a group of unnamed spectators actually started the fight. We had a group of fans that came in that I think were kind of looking to start something and they had been pretty rowdy in the stands. He explained it escalated to the, it escalated to the fan actually pushing Johnson's mom. Obviously you can imagine what it would be like if you saw your mom being pushed in the stands, he provoked him and off Johnson went. Of course, of course I, I, to me, Johnson, the coach, they don't need to explain. They, To me, they just don't need to explain. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm playing hockey. I'm coming off the ice. Someone shows my mother. It's on. That's it. It's just, and, and, I, and I think anyone, and it's not even just a guy thing. I think if it's women's hockey and see someone shove your mom, you're the ladies are jumping into the stands too. Like, to me, it's just a no-brainer. The CJHL has suspended the player as per the suspension guidelines of the league. We are very disappointed in the actions of the player involved, but we'll have no further comment, said Larry Lapine, president of the Capital Junior Hockey League. Leibel said he respects that decision, adding that Johnson will serve his suspension without fighting it, but he wonders why the fan that was involved appears to be facing no consequences. Absolutely, Johnson is going to suffer his consequences for his actions. but what about the fan? What about the person who is provoking the whole thing in the beginning and push the mom in the stands? He can just walk away. So um, that highlight is available if, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen it, you could just look for it on social media. It's everywhere. but um, personally, right now, like I said, it's uh, Sunday afternoon. I personally want to commend Nicholas Johnson um, for his actions. Uh, I mean, it's no question I am a husband and if that was my wife and my sons jumped in the crowd, I would I would expect nothing less and I would commend them and as I said, if that was my mother I would absolutely do the same thing. So again, just like I said, I don't think Chris Nyland is listening to the show. I'm sure that Nicholas Johnson isn't listening to the show, but Bravo, kid. Bravo. Um, what you did was awesome, and uh, I'm sure your mom knows that you love her, and a uh, great job by you. So uh, you have my full support. Not that that means anything, but, <coughs> but yeah, I mean, that is uh, a crazy story. Absolutely crazy story. So now we'll get to some Islander topics. Um, first, that last game, the game uh, against Seattle, So going into those last two games, I, I've been one of the people who has said, I'm not giving up on the season yet. And I think I said it in the last episode or the episode before that, uh, I'm not giving up on the season. (coughs) Folks, I'm sorry. I I really need a drink, but I'm not going to go. I guess I can just pause it, but I'm going to, I'm going to power through this for you folks. Um, I said, they got to beat Ottawa and they have to beat Seattle. Those two games, you got to come out of there with four points. And first game, gave up the first goal to Ottawa. Then from the rest of the game on, Islanders dominated, set the stage for the following night. And that Seattle game was uh, an unmitigated disaster. Arguably, well, it's not arguable because it's one of the worst games I've seen in a long time. And I've seen a lot of bad hockey with this team over the years and that game was what what an utter disappointment that that game was and um you know now I'm not sure um you got to win those games and uh I really want to see how the team comes out uh they start the West Coast trip this week I want to I want to see how they come out but now I'm kind of teetering on do I think they're going to make the playoffs or not I I just I'm I'm positive by nature so it's really not in my nature to say, the season's over. It's done. But let's see. Uh, let's see how they come out on this Western trip. But um, I worked the night of the game, and when I walked in the door, it was about halfway through the first period. And what I walked into was a thin slice of heaven. It was the melodic tones of Jigs McDonald doing the play-by-play for the game. Now, I think Brendan Burke is fantastic. I do. I think uh, Brendan Burke is by far the second best Islander play-by-play announcer there there has been. Uh, but he's he's not the king. He's not Jiggs McDonald. Uh, and I discussed this with John Forsland when I interviewed him. Jigs McDonald is the voice of so many generations of Islander fans. And it's like you hear his voice. When I walked in, it was like, oh, man. It just, it just felt right. It just felt like it belonged. Jigs McDonald doing the Islander game. So uh, I don't know why Brendan didn't do the game. I went. I don't know if he was doing a national game or I don't know if he's that's anything to do with the Alls. I, I have no idea why he didn't do the game. And like I said, Brendan is great, but hearing Jigs do that, uh, do that game, it was <laughs> it felt bad for Jigs that he had to do a game with such a piss poor effort, but. Anytime that you can hear Jigs do a game, it, it could be a lot worse. So uh that was the highlight of the uh the Seattle game there hearing uh hearing Jigs McDonald, man. I love that man. I, I absolutely love hearing him do games. So moving on. As you may know, or you may not know, this is the All-Star Weekend. Now it's Sunday. I'm actually not sure if they played the All-Star game yet. Um I know they had the skills the other night and I think I heard something about they were going to freeze the water at the Bellagio freeze the fountains. I don't know. Um, Listen, if you know me or you've listened to the show, um, <clears throat> as you may imagine, this all-star stuff, not for me. It's definitely not my cup of tea. And um, the skills competition is definitely not my cup of tea. See, for for folks my age, we remember when the All-Star game was actually competitive, when they actually gave a shit. You wanted, the Wales Conference wanted to beat the Campbell Conference and vice versa. There was pride. There was a pride there. And you saw actual games. The goalies were there. They didn't want to give up any goals because they knew the hockey world was watching. And you wanted to really put your best effort there. The All-Star game was a source of pride. Yeah, you had fun. And, um, you know, you saw guys maybe you didn't see a lot throughout the year, but they wanted to win. They they wanted to – these things now, like I remember, I don't know, one year, was it the year that Scott won the MVP? They break it up into four teams and I don't know, was it – like I don't even know. Like it's just so fucking stupid now. And it's not – but and I, I always say this. I know I'm not the target audience for the NHL right now. I am definitely not the target audience. But that being said, if you're a hockey fan and you grow up and you're you're a teenager, you're in your early 20s and you actually like the sport. This version that they play during the All-Star game, that's not hockey. So how do you enjoy that? I I just don't I don't get it. Again, I'm it's not for me to get the NHL doesn't give a rat's ass that I don't like it, um, but it just, I guess the reason why I'm bringing it up is I want to congratulate Adam Pellick, uh, very deserving of his all-star bid, and um, I think he competed in the hardest shot. I don't know. I just don't know. I—I I I, This is why I could never do a straight Islanders podcast, because then I would have to know these things. And I don't want to know anything about the all-star game, but you know, that's why uh, I wouldn't be good at it. I can do the whole game thing. Like, Hey, the Islanders played two games this week and talk about those games. But like, I don't know what Adam Pellick did in the skills. And I don't even know if they played the game yet. So I don't even know how he if they played it, I don't know how he did in the game. But the reason why I bring that up is because now all over my social media, all I'm seeing is the skill stuff and the hardest shot and this and this and this. And this is a bone of contention for me because people just have short memories and fucking do your homework. Okay, first of all, and, and I, I brought this up and I tweeted about it yesterday. Uh, and To me, they go hand in hand. People remember what they want to remember. So, for instance, the Michigan the the lacrosse-style goal that everyone calls the Michigan. People, let's start calling it the Army. The Army, before Mike Legg did the Michigan, Bill Armstrong, former Flyer farmhand, former Devils farmhand, Bill Armstrong did it first. Can we start giving Bill Armstrong some credit for this Michigan goal? And let's scrap the Michigan, and please, let's start calling it the Army. Please, he deserves that. And the reason why I bring that up is because, oh, hard shot this, hard shot that. Well, nowadays they use these sticks, three, four, $500 sticks, and they're like state of the art. You know, back in the day, there was a guy named Sean Hines, who I had the pleasure of meeting on multiple occasions. And Sean Hines with a Bauer Supreme wooden hockey stick had a 106 mile an hour slap shot. And that's not even mentioning guys like Al McGinnis or Al Iafrady who always hit triple digits. Could you imagine what a guy like McGinnis or Iafrady or Sean Hines would do? Even Chara. Chara, I think, was was hitting triple digits with wood sticks. Um, What these guys would do with these fancy composite sticks, what are they going to hit? 115? Like, it almost becomes a weapon. Not that a 106-mile-an-hour shot isn't a weapon, but let's start you know, it's great that we're celebrating the players now, but how about we go back in time and say, Hey, um, this guy shot it and and let's talk about the equipment they used. Like I said, Sean Hines, Bauer Supreme, 106 miles an hour. Let's start talking about that guy. Just, you know, forget about the guys now with their fancy sticks and not forget about it because I think you can, you can have both, but for, uh, you know, a dinosaur like myself, I, I, it sickens me that nobody wants to pay attention to where things started. Like I said, Bill Armstrong did the Michigan before Mike Legg, and these guys now with the hardest shot. Yeah, they, look at the, look at what they're using. Let's start giving some credit to the uh, the old guard who did it with wooden sticks. Please, come on. Now, speaking of sticks, if you're an Islander fan that goes to Islander games... How many times a game do you see a propeller like object flying through the air over the ice and of course that is the bottom third of a hockey stick and it is always always the bottom third of an Islanders hockey stick is it not enraging to you when you see that it's look I get it um the equipment guys the teams they have these budgets and you know you're not you're not going to play a team that is using these $500 sticks when your guys are armed with the wooden sticks. So I understand that it's got to be an equal playing field. But I just don't remember this shit happening with the wood sticks. And and again, this is this is more me waxing poetic about how good it used to be as opposed to me saying they should bring back the wood sticks. That would be great. The other night the Ottawa game uh, I might have been Josh Bailey I don't remember who broke a stick and I said out loud to my wife I just don't remember this shit happening obviously they broke sticks when they were wood but I don't remember it happening at this pace when they used wooden sticks and the guy in front of me down the row is like yeah I say that all the time and, and he looked to be about my age and then the two dinosaurs started talking about remember the Koho 221s and the titans the red titans and the white titans and the sherwoods and you'd, you'd play them you'd use them in the street they never broke they never broke and you'd use the blade till it got down to like the height of a nickel and it was just like they lasted forever and then when the blade eventually broke you'd buy the mylic replacement blade i know mean, those were those were good times those were just those were good times and, um, if you're about my age, hopefully you're sitting there naughty going, yeah, those were, you know, playing road hockey and, you know, moving the nets every time a car came and we're all using the wooden sticks and that was on pavement. Those things were so durable, man. I, I miss those. And that's why when, you know, when I, in my collection, when I collect sticks, whenever I have the opportunity to add sticks to the collection and they're, they're wood it's just very cool, man. It's just cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, all the sticks, the guys that I need sticks of, I don't care what they're made of. But, you know, the nostalgic person in me really likes the uh, the wooden sticks. And uh, I am so sick and tired of seeing the Islanders getting scoring chances just thwarted by broken stick after broken stick. Scott Boggs, the equipment manager, he must be going out of his mind with this stuff, you know. But... uh Again, it's progress, I guess. I keep hearing how this is all progress, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, again, I'm the dinosaur. Uh, A few other things. Now, something that's been making the rounds over the last couple of days is that the NHL is bringing back the reverse retro jerseys next year. And from the time they put out the reverse retro jersey last year, a percentage of Islander fans have been clamoring for the fishermen, the return of the fishermen. And now there's a rumor out there. Now I don't think it's been substantiated that the Islanders are bringing back their reverse retro Jersey. And it has people, it it, it has, obviously it garners all types of reaction, all types of emotion. And, if you know me or you listen to the show, you know that I am not a fan of the fisherman jersey. And this is something I tweeted earlier. It doesn't make me angry. Like some people get physically angry about the jersey. I don't it doesn't make me angry. I just think it's silly. Okay, it um you know the Bruins, they have the spoked bee, the Detroit has the winged wheel, uh Chicago has the Indian head. Um, these are iconic jerseys, even uh Toronto, they've had different incarnations of the leaf, but it's always a maple leaf. Um, the Islanders logo is iconic and there was never a reason to change that logo, but you change it and you make such a wholesale change. You're going to get a reaction. And I don't think Well, I hope not. I I would imagine if the Islanders did their homework at the time and they said, oh, the fans aren't going to like this, then you don't go ahead with that. But I guess they thought more fans were going to like it than actually did. And um, listen, the the logo is, it's a nice logo. It's it's drawn very well. It, It just never needed to exist for the New York Islanders. Now, There are people, and some people say, well, it signifies a really dark time for the franchise. And it does. It absolutely does. But I contend that even for me anyway, I'm speaking strictly for myself. Even if the Islanders had won a Stanley Cup with that jersey, I would feel the same way about it. It just, it wasn't necessary then, and it's not necessary now. But, you know, and and I think this really gained steam with when the team went to Brooklyn. And I don't know if they were trying to, you know, market it to, you know, uh, maybe a new fan, not a new fan base, but a new, you know, new um, geographical section of of hockey fans that maybe were never, uh, they never really paid too much attention to it. You know, Brooklyn is not a hockey hotbed. And now you see the Islander logo. Well, hey, what's this? What's this logo? and i remember seeing a lot of the hipsters at the games where they're fisherman gear and everything and then, you know of course it looks silly um, I, I just think for for you folks out there that like the fisherman logo it's like you think that we're crazy for not liking it but the fact is it's, it's just it doesn't you know what it is it doesn't belong now the team in bridgeport the bridgeport islanders if the islanders want to market that logo Make it the Bridgeport Islanders logo, because if we're being honest, that Islanders Fisherman logo is a minor league logo. Through the years, minor league hockey has had some really outlandish logos, really crazy jerseys. And that's great. That's marketing down in the minors. You do whatever you have to do to make money and bring the fans in. So if there's a percentage of people who like the Fisherman jersey and if the if the Islanders are not going to utilize the classic Islanders logo for the Bridgeport team then use the Fisherman logo for the Bridgeport team. I have no problem with that. They're the Bridgeport Islanders. If you're listen, the Bridgeport Islanders should still be the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not uh, that the fact that they're not the Sound Tigers anymore stupid as can be. And then the logo they unveiled, I don't know if it was a contest in grammar school uh, and then the winning kid, the, the winning entry from a third grader got season tickets. I don't know. But that logo is atrocious. So actually using the Fisherman logo for the Bridgeport Islanders, I think, is a huge upgrade. And this way, it's still in the organization. And... You know, you appease a certain segment of fans. I, I don't know. These nut jobs that wear this fisherman jersey now. So, like, if you have a fisherman jersey and you have Ziggy palfy on the back or someone who played during that era, well, okay, the front is goofy, but at least the player played there. Now you walk around UBS Arena and you see the fisherman jersey with Barzal on the back. And the worst is when you see the fisherman jersey with some of the Dynasty guys on there. That is just... What the fuck are you even thinking? So I always have a list of jersey violations. Jersey violation number one, don't put a fucking legend that played during the uh, the glory years. Don't get a fisherman jersey with number five, number 19, number nine. All the legends that never even would, the, the fisherman jersey wasn't even on the radar. And you're going to get a fisherman jersey, 22 bossy. What are you, out of your mind? But it's even still so goofy to see Barzal on a fisherman jersey um, or Beauvillier. Like all these players that are on the team now and you see it on a fisherman jersey. It's like, why would you even do that? It doesn't make sense. They never wore that jersey. Am I the only one that thinks this way? I don't know. But anyway, I think for you fisherman people... It's not that, you know, you could do the whole, okay, boomer shit all you want. It just, it doesn't belong and it never belonged. And you're, you're so stupid. And I'm sorry for being like this. If you honestly think the Islanders are doing this for any other reason than to make money, you're out of your mind. It's not like the Islander organization is like, yeah, we're standing behind a fisherman logo. No, they want you to buy it. They want you to buy it. And the more that you tweet about it and the more that you put put it on social media, that's what they want. So you're actually doing them a favor. So stop with the OK Boomer stuff or whatever it is. It just it just doesn't belong. Take the Fisherman logo and use it in Bridgeport. Use it for the Bridgeport Islanders. I don't have many great ideas, but I actually think that's a pretty good idea. What do you people think? So... I'm gonna. This is the final topic for the show, um, and it's a sort of a two-headed, a two-headed topic here. One, one will lead into the other. Um, anybody watch that wild game, the the Islanders' wild game? Um, didn't, of course, end the way that uh, any of us wanted it to. But as far as hockey goes, it was pretty entertaining. Um, Islanders went through their lulls in that game, and every time it seems like they did, Minnesota capitalized. But can we talk about Ross Johnston's goal? I mean, the goal, the beautiful goal that Ross scored against Minnesota. Can, can we, and it's so funny because <clears throat> so many fans are like, Ross Johnston can't play. He's just a goon. He's just this. He's just that. And like, I, you know, I say it and Darren says it and Alex says it on their shows. There are no goons playing in 2022. It's just not the way the game is. And Ross Johnston showed you what he could do. I, I've been tweeting about his silky mitts. That was a beautiful goal. And now the reason why I titled the episode what I did is because when when Ross scored that goal, what, what happened after that was, and this is on, again, social media, people are not, ju- you can't just say what a nice goal it was You can't just say, hey, you know, great job, Ross Johnston. You have to start with, Ross Johnston needs to replace Matt Martin. Like, it can't be just about Ross Johnston. It has to be, Johnston needs to replace Martin. Martin is this, Johnston is this. Get rid of Martin, let Ross take over. Well, slow down. Just slow down a second. First of all, why why is it that you're and when I say you I mean those people why are you so quick to get rid of one and not keep both of them there why is that you know I remember it was a couple of years ago and the fans were, were on social media were coming down hard on Matt Martin and then they all loved him because he had a ridiculous playoff and then last year he was lights out the whole season and then no, oh, everyone loves Matt Martin again and um then it was well Matt Martin is playing well we don't re- really need Ross Johnston why are we why why is Lou signing Ross Johnston to a 4 year contract 5 year contract that's a waste of money you know you got Matt Martin then when Ross Johnston does something well then it's well we, why do we have Matt Martin you could just plug Ross Johnston on that line and and i say this all the time the people that are making these comments have never played in in a on a team environment people are not i mean technically yes Players are interchangeable on lines, obviously. It doesn't mean they gel. When you have uh, a line like Martin, Sazekas, and Clutterbuck and the chemistry that they have, you can't just pick pieces out and plug in new pieces and expect the same results. So they have this chemistry. And why do you want to mess with that? Why? Uh, you know, to me... They're all still, yes, they're older. And the way that they play, it's not conducive for um, you know playing 80 games a year because it's a hard-hitting style. You're going to have injuries. But every time Matt Martin does something that the fans don't like, it's, well, I'll just get rid of him, put Ross Johnson on the line. Or Ross Johnson does something the fans don't like, why do we even have him here? He's not worth the money. Send him to Bridgeport. We have Matt Martin. And and that's my question. Why do we have to eat our own? You know, people can talk about Islander fans can talk about Rangers fans, Islander fans can talk about Flyers fans, Islanders fans can talk about Maple Leafs fans. The biggest critics of the Islanders are the Islander fans. Well, I don't I don't get that. I don't get that. It's like do you watch the games to be miserable? Do you take notes? And we eat our own. And I'm including myself in that, but I don't, I don't think I do that. Now, some of you may be sitting there and saying, well, you always criticize Mariusz Tchaikovsky and Vladimir Malakov. Yes, that's true. I criticize those guys, Malikov especially, because of the God-given talent they had that went to waste, because of their lack of effort and lack of pride. I will go to the grave saying Vladimir Malakoff would be a multiple NARS trophy winning defenseman. If he just gave a shit. Marius obviously is not the caliber of player that Malakov was. Marius just seemed like, Hey, I'm going to float around, look for broads in there in the stands and everything. And eh, if I score a goal, I score a goal. If not, eh, whatever. But Vladimir Malakov could have been one of the greatest of all time. I'm, I'm convinced of that, but he just didn't give a shit. Or that's the impression I get. So, to me, it's not a talent issue with either one of them. They both are extremely talented. It's a heart issue. You know, that's me. And I discussed that. If you listen to my episode with Mick Vakoda, and I think we, it was during um, when we were recording. I don't think it was after we were done. And Mick doesn't necessarily agree with me. And he played with Vladimir. So, again, you take my word for it, someone who's watching on TV, or do you take a word the word of the guy who actually was in the locker room and on the ice with him? So, I think we all know the answer to that. But in spite of that, I'm going to go with what I saw. I, I value Mikfikota's opinion, obviously. But Vladimir Malikov is the most frustrating player I have ever watched as a fan. But, again, that's not a talent thing. That was a desire thing. That was a heart thing. But islander fans it's like well i mean listen social media especially twitter it's a breeding ground for negativity it just is but after after a loss you just you almost can't even go on twitter because everybody is just bitching and moaning about this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy it's like what the fuck step away from the keyboard for a few minutes And even after a win sometimes, it's just like people just love to fucking complain. But why do we eat our own? Why? There's 31 other fan bases out there that will criticize the Islanders. We don't have to do it to the level that we do it. And again, I'm not saying that they're above criticism, but it goes back to my thing with Martin and Johnston. Why does it have to be one or the other? You don't think that Matt Martin is the perfect mentor for Ross Johnston? And why can't Martin Sizikis and Clutterbuck be on the fourth line and have Ross Johnston play on the third line? Why? I think people get so hung up on their fantasy hockey or their video hockey where people think that you need four scoring lines, four top lines, and nobody's ever going to win with four number one lines because nobody is going to play defense. Nobody's going to hit. Nobody's going to back check. You're not going to win with four top lines, yet it still seems to be something that is lost on a lot of people. And I just, you know, to me, if Ross Johnston is the heir apparent to Matt Martin, why are we rushing Matt Martin out of here? Has this guy not done enough for this organization over his career? Has this guy not sacrificed everything he can for this team over the course of his career that now you just want to discard him because you think his replacement is here. How about we eased into the transition and how about Ross Johnston? Listen, whether you like Ross or not, I I defy you to say that you remember a shift that he took off and I just, I don't understand it in in a league now where it seems like uh, it's, it's all about me. There are a lot of Islanders that are still team players, and I, I, I venture to say most of them are. So, I, I just I, I don't. It just boggles the mind because they play a similar style. They're the easiest ones to cherry pick and say, "Well, Matt Martin's not doing great. Let's get rid of him and uh, let Ross play." But then you know what happens. Let's say, for argument's sake, the Islanders trade Matt Martin, and you plug Ross Johnston in on that fourth line. All they're going to do now is be like, why is Ross Johnston uh, even dressing? Why is he? It's like, no matter what you do, there's a certain percentage of the fan base that is never going to be satisfied because they want 12 Matthew Barzals out there. And it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Whether you like it or not, Matt Martin and Ross Johnston are key members of a hockey team. And like, it's still mind boggling to me that I have to defend Matt Martin after everything he's done for this team and for this organization. It it it's it's absolutely crazy. You know, I want you to go back, if you're one of his critics, I want you to go back and just remember all the stuff that he's done during his time here and all the sacrifices he's he's laid his body out, all the hits he's made, all the fights he's had, you know, it just it, it's crazy to me that you're so quick to discard this guy. When you have a guy that is Basically, I would imagine the heir apparent, but Matt Martin's not done yet. He's not done yet. So what the fuck is the problem having Matt Martin and Ross Johnston play at the same time? If you put Ross Johnston on the third line, is he going to be any less productive than anyone else you put on that third line? No. And he brings additional elements that most other players do not. So maybe I'm the crazy person that thinks you can dress both of them. I don't know. I mean, I maybe I'm the, I'm the loon, but I just don't understand why we eat our own when there's plenty of other fan bases out there ready to swoop in and pick the bones clean off this organization. Meanwhile, so many fans just bitch and fucking complain about different things. Let's get rid of it. You know, listen, Matt Martin and Ross Johnson are two of the guys on this team that give a shit, and I think most players do. But you can't do the job and you can't play the style that they play without actually caring about the team, about the logo, and about their teammates. So don't be so quick to run one of these guys out of town when the other one has a good game or run a guy out of town because his replacement's here. Let's just enjoy what we have now, and let's hope that Matt Martin is the mentor to Ross Johnston that will help him blossom to be the best player that he can be. And that's, and that's all I have to say about that, that topic. Uh, You know, the fans that are out there, it's like, yeah, let's just cannibalize ourselves. Well, come on. And I understand the season has been a disappointment so far, so people don't know what to do, but it always seems to be Johnston and Martin, Martin and Johnston, because they're similar players that if someone's looking to get rid of one of them or the other one, and it just depends on the day of the week, so. I'm it's my contention that you can keep both of them on the team and they can both dress nightly and you'll do just fine. So let's see, what are, what are we at now? Time wise. Uh oh, a little over an hour. I, I'm sure that's enough for, for you people tonight. So uh, obviously I've discussed these solo episodes before. They're not my first choice to do, but I do think it's, it's important that I do put out content weekly. Um, and uh, I, you know, Out of sight, out of mind is not something I want to be. So obviously the first choice is to bring you uh, player interviews. And as I said, schedule to do two interviews this week. Hopefully that happens and then we're covered for a little bit. But uh, in the interim, I will do these solo episodes. I hope that uh, you people enjoyed this one. And if you did, please consider subscribing to the show, uh, liking it, uh, rating it. Obviously, five stars is the best, but if you think I'm full of shit and you want to rate it one star, no stars, be my guest. And uh, if you have a minute, maybe throw a quick review my way. It all helps give the show greater visibility. So um, if you have a moment, if you enjoy the content, I really appreciate it. I want to thank you all for listening. And until next week, everybody out there, please stay safe.